G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations, Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as the principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. Our series is entitled, The Son of God, Understanding the Gospel of John, Part 1. And we are beginning John Chapter 11, The Raising of Lazarus. And our lesson here is called, Lazarus is Sick, John 11, verses 1 to 11. We are in Part 2 of this great series called The Son of God, Understanding the Gospel of John. Why do we call it the Son of God? Because the four Gospels have particular portraits of Jesus. The Gospel of Matthew, he is the kingly Messiah. In the Gospel of Mark, he is the tireless servant. In the Gospel of Luke, he is the Son of Man, or the perfect man, which was a great metaphor for the Greeks, who looked at the ideal of manhood and of nobility and of, in every way, perfection. And here, John's Gospel talks about Jesus as Son of God, probably more than any other. In chapter 11, we're going to focus on the raising of Lazarus. It's a long chapter. It's a great chapter. And remember now we're in part two of this series, which covers chapters 10 to 21, which is the end of John's gospel. All right, so Lazarus is sick. That's what is our focus in this particular program. We have, let me read to you from a few verses, verse 3 and onward of John 11. Therefore his sister sent unto him, that's Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And what we're going to learn is that when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, rather than giving the word of healing and sending it, through the uh, cyberspace of the heavens, or rather than racing down to Bethany, which is near Jerusalem, to raise him, he basically stays where he's at even longer. And this is what is called divine delay. We're going to learn about divine delay in this lesson, and that divine delay happens, happens to the best of people. When we have a big need, where is God? When is he going to help us? Why are we still languishing in this unsatisfactory situation? Oh, yes, we will look at it in great detail. Always remember this. God is still on the throne. God knows. God cares. 
He is always there for us. So with this in mind, Jesus is told that the one he loves is sick. He makes a declaration that this sickness is not going to lead to death. It's going to lead to the glory of God. Now, it's interesting because, of course, by delaying his coming, Lazarus ends up dying. And in fact, he not only dies, and so his sisters go through the heartbreak of losing their brother, he is buried, but not in a normal cemetery. In the first century in Jerusalem, people were buried in caves with a huge rock covering the opening. But now it'll be about four days that Lazarus is in the tomb before Jesus actually shows up. So that's not only the anxiety of having a sick loved one, but now four days of mourning. All of this weighs heavily on the family. Now, I don't know anything about the financial situation, but remember, there's no mention of parents. There's no mention of spouses. There's no mention of children. All we know is there's a, two, brother, two sisters and a brother. Was Lazarus perhaps the breadwinner? And now their source of income was gone? We don't know. The scripture doesn't say. All we know is that it's a time of tragedy and mourning for the family and friends of Lazarus. There is divine delay. Jesus says, though, that out of this incident with Lazarus, the Son of God is going to be glorified thereby. In other words, we're being set up for another messianic miracle. Let's read the entire portion of John 11, verses 1 to 11. Our lesson is called, Lazarus is Sick. Again, from John 11, verses 1 to 11. We're now going to hear the word of the Lord. Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus, of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment, and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and thou goest thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things saith he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go, that I may awake him out of sleep. Our reading is from John chapter 11, verses 1 to 11, and our lesson is called, Lazarus is Sick. Well, let's introduce the main characters here from verse 1. We begin chapter 11 with one of the great messianic miracles of Jesus' ministry, raising Lazarus from the dead. Now, Lazarus isn't the only one he raised from the dead. There was Jairus' daughter. There was the widow's son at Nain. So Lazarus wasn't alone. 
but of interest is that such a great miracle is not referred to by the other three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which we refer to as the synoptic Gospels. Synoptic means they see everything the same, or they're very similar, whereas John stands alone. Now, one commentator speculated that the synoptic Gospels were written earlier than John's, while Lazarus was still alive, and perhaps they want to keep him safe from the wrath of the religious elite. Because in John twelve ten and 11, the religious elite wanted to kill Lazarus because he was the reason many Jewish people were believing in Jesus. So if they killed him off, then this man that rose from the dead really wasn't alive anymore. Now, this miracle would not only increase the amount of believers in the person of Jesus, but paradoxically, this miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead would increase the determination of his enemies to destroy him. In other words, the same, but the same, uh, shall we say, the adage, the same sun that hardens the clay softens the butter. This chapter starts out with the simple statement, a certain man was sick named Lazarus. The name Lazarus is Greek. And it comes from the Hebrew name Eleazar. Eleazar means God is my help. Now, in his hour of great need, God was allowing Lazarus to be sick and to die. It was all for a higher purpose. We read that he came from Bethany, the village of Mary and Martha, his sisters. Mary and Martha have a great story, which is told in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. I love that particular story. I even have a sermon about it from Luke 10, where you have Martha inviting Jesus into her home. Martha was in the kitchen, the steamy kitchen, being busy and bothered over waiting over many people. Because remember when she invited Jesus into her home, he had 12 disciples with him. I don't think that they were told to go down the street and get takeaway. No, Middle Eastern hospitality would decree that if you invite Jesus, then all that are with him get to have a place at the table too. So Martha was busy and bothered over many things in the kitchen while her sister Mary sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Of the two, it was Mary that made the right decision. And although Martha might have initially meant well, she developed a bad attitude She then storms into the lounge room where Jesus is teaching. She bypasses her sister and she actually confronts the Lord himself and says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me alone? Tell her to help me. Now, isn't that amazing? She calls him Lord, but she's bossing him around. Her service had been defiled by a bad attitude. And Jesus simply replies, and I'm paraphrasing it here, Martha, Martha, you are busy and troubled over many things, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has discovered it, and I'm not going to take it from her. I tell you, I'm so inspired by that story, because after all, most of us are busy for nothing. If we would cut through the busyness and remember that only one thing is necessary, it would streamline, simplify, and make our lives far more fruitful. So anyway, the anointer, John 11, verse 2. Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, was the same woman who anointed Jesus' feet with ointment 
and then wiped them with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus that was sick. And in verse 3, the two sisters sent a message to Jesus during their hour of greatest need. Lord, the one you love is sick. It does not appear that they demanded he come to them. After all, he could simply speak the word as he did to the nobleman's son in chapter 4, and healing would flow long distance. Yet, I'm sure they hoped that Jesus would pay a personal visit to them in this time of crisis. However, Jesus makes the statement in John 11:4, not unto death. Once he received word, he declared that Lazarus' sickness would not be unto death. It would be for the glory of God. The Son of God would be magnified, glorified, proven, vindicated yet again. Now, at first glance, it sounds like Lazarus would not die at all. As we're about to see, now Lazarus would live via death, not avoiding it at all. And then in verse 5, it declares Jesus and his great love for the whole family. John goes at length to explain that Jesus loved this family. He loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Everything that transpired after this must be seen through the prism of God's love. Now, friends, we live in an increasingly immature society that goes by subjective things rather than objective. In other words, because Jesus delayed, they didn't feel like God loved them. They didn't experience it. Their opinions are more important than facts or any kind of verification. No, friends, the fact is God loves full stop. Nothing you can do can make God love you more, and nothing you can do can make God love you less. Because as it says in 1 John 4 and verse 8, God is love. So because God is love, that's it. He loves fully. He loves freely. God cares because he loves. God serves. God delivers. God is faithful. He keeps his promises. He's a covenant-keeping God. God is love. So the fact that Jesus delayed doesn't mean he didn't love Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Oh, he loved them to the full. But now let's deal with that topic of divine delay. John 11, verse 6. When Jesus heard of Lazarus' sickness, instead of racing off to Bethany, he stayed another two days where he was. In the natural, this was understandable. Jerusalem and Judea had become too dangerous for him. And that, of course, we learned in John 10. As mentioned, he was able to heal from afar and thus avoid the risk. All we know that this was a divine delay, and it happens to all people of faith. God delays, and we don't even know why. We pray, and we don't hear anything at least not at the moment. Yet the scripture says we are to trust God with all of our heart, all of the time, and not lean on our understanding. God will direct our path if we acknowledge him in everything. That's Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. In other words, we are called to trust God fully, whether it makes sense or not. Forget our reasoning, rationalizing minds, and forget our fickle feelings. Trusting God must be paramount. Without that, we are adrift in the sea. There is always a noble purpose in divine delay, and we have to hold on to God 
to see it through. And I say that again, in the divine delay, there is always a noble purpose. So simply trust God and he will see you through. In verse 7 of John 11, after two days, Jesus announces that he and his disciples will return to Judea and basically to the outskirts of Jerusalem again. Now in verse 8, the disciples are startled by this announcement. They reminded the master that only recently the Jews in Jerusalem tried to stone him. He wants to return to such a dangerous place? And then Jesus makes the statement in John eleven nine. He speaks of 12 hours in the day. Yes, when you walk in the day, you do not stumble on the pathway because you see the light of the world. And of course, he is the light of the world. And when we follow him, so are we. In verse 10, if you walk and work at night, you face the possibility of stumbling, of getting offended, of falling, of injuring yourself, and Lord knows what else. So it's important that you walk and work in the day and not in the night. And then in our last verse for this lesson, John 11, verse 11, with these points in mind, Jesus speaks about Lazarus is sleeping and that the reason to return to Judea is in order to wake him up. Now, of course, Jesus is speaking metaphorically. Lazarus isn't just sleeping like having a nap. Lazarus has just died. And the metaphor sleep is used in terms of physical death. Obviously, when somebody's dead and they're laid out in the open or laid out in a coffin, they look like they're sleeping. But, of course, their spirit has left their body. They are dead. Jesus says we're going to wake him up. In other words, there'll be a reunion of his departed soul and spirit back into his lifeless body, that is, of Lazarus. And remember, Lazarus is not just sleeping. He's in a cold, dark cave that is covered with a rock, and he is wrapped in grave clothes. So that's what they're going to encounter when they come to Bethany, which is a mere three kilometers from Jerusalem. So our lesson is called Lazarus is Sick. And our lesson for life is this. Jesus, the light of the world, is working to raise Lazarus and bring glory to God while it is yet day. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.